This is Bethel Temple Church's podcast. Here at Bethel Temple, our desire is to see people changed, delivered, and set free as they experience the light of Jesus. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. At this time, it's my distinct uh, honor and pleasure to introduce our speaker for today. And as I mentioned earlier, he's not a stranger to this ministry, but he is a friend of this ministry. Dr. St. Clair Mitchell, he was born and raised in British West Indies, and while he was a teenager, he accepted the Lord and was subsequently called into the ministry. He took his calling serious. He took his calling to heart, and he allowed God to, to shape and to, to mold him into the man that he is today. Uh, through a miracle of God's provision, he received a scholarship to study in the United States, and he, he, he came over here and he got to go to school, after which he returned to his, uh, his native, his island, uh, the nation of Dominica. And there he served among, uh, he served as a pastor, a district superintendent, vice president of the Dominica Evangelical Association of Churches. He had many positions while there, but in 1991, he and his family moved to the United States to America, where he founded and served as executive director of Step Ministries, his strategies to elevate people. So this is a man who, who, who is not, has a, he doesn't have an internal focus, but an external focus. He's about God's people. He's about the hurting people. He's about people being delivered and people being set free. He's also the founder of the International Ministerial Network. It provides mentorship to pastors and ministers around the world. This man is a world traveler. You know, I asked him, asked him yesterday while we were sitting together, how often is he out of the country to do ministry? And he's, he's out frequently. Matter of fact, he leaves tomorrow. <laughs> and I think, I'm thankful that he even, you know, blessed us to be here this weekend because tomorrow he leaves to go back out. He's going to Cameroon for ministry, and he'll share a little more about you know, what he'll be doing there. He also served uh, uh, as director of church development and home missions for the Potomac Ministry Network for 10 years. But since 2003, he's been the senior pastor of Evangel Assembly of God in Temple Hills, Maryland. And he, he also currently presides as chairman of the Board of Governors of the International Fellowship of Ministers. It's an organization that provides coaching and credentialing to ministers and leaders. He's an ordained minister within this body, the Assemblies of God. Uh, and he and his wife of 38 years, Judith, they have four children and six grandchildren. He's a friend of this church. He's a friend of mine. And I'm just so thankful that God let our paths cross again so we can reestablish the relationship that had begun. Would you all stand on your feet and, and, and receive Dr. St. Clair Mitchell as he comes. Blessed be God. Let's all stand again in the presence of God. Do you love him today? Yeah. Hallelujah. And what a strong sense of the grace of God. There is a concentration of the presence of God here today. 
And if you've not yet heard from him, and you leave here not having heard from him, then we can't blame him. Because God has been doing everything to get our attention here today. I'm particularly impressed with the principle of honor at work and for honoring our brother who has served here for a very long time. Honor in the kingdom of God is the key to access. That's why before we ask him for anything, we say, Our oh, Father, hallowed be your name. So I want you to join me in lifting your hands to a heavenly Father and thanking him from the depths of our heart. Because we have already sensed his great presence here. God is here. We don't have to work. We don't have to manufacture it because it cannot be humanly manufactured or produced. It's a product of the will of God. So, Father, we praise you and thank you today. You're so good to us. You're so kind. You're so gracious. Even when we are unfaithful, you continue to be faithful. God, you don't just love, you are love. And we bask in your love today. We thank you for this great church and Pastor Charles and First Lady and all that you're using them to do here. We perceive that your grace that's here is here is in abundance. And that there are yet many who must make their way to the house of God, to Bethel, to receive. And for the broken cisterns of joy that men have hewn themselves, would you give to us the true cisterns of joy that comes from you? We're thirsty, Lord. We're hungry. We want the heavens to no longer be like brass. We need a word from you, God. We're tired of religion. We're tired of performance. God, we want the unadulterated presence of God to be here. And we won't have to say to anyone, you are here. They'll tell us that you are here. So we submit to you totally this day. And we do it in the strong name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, well, come on, let's put our hands together. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. Amen, amen. You may be seated today in God's presence. What a joy to be back here at Bethel. It's been a while since I've been here. And uh, thank you, pastors, for your kind and your warm invitation. And um, way back in the days of Pastor Ron Johnson. And Ron is, uh, remains a best friend, really. And uh, in fact, he'll be traveling to Cameroon with me. Uh, he'll be there next week, and um, we'll be doing some great things that I may be able to, to tell you uh, here today. But I, I observe your theme of kingdom now, and uh, strange, I am talking with us today about the priority of the kingdom of God, not even knowing that that was your, the theme for the men's uh, retreat. And, and what a, I thoroughly enjoyed myself with uh, uh, being with the men yesterday. Let me bring you greetings from my wife, Judith, and our four children and all our grandchildren and, um, and from Evangel Assembly, where there is a place for everyone. Wow. We've convened today, not just as followers of Jesus Christ, although that we are, 
not just as churchgoers, although we do go to church and we're here, but we have convened as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And like ambassadors, when we come together, we ought to discuss matters that are pertinent to the kingdom we represent. Then we are charged by the king of the kingdom to make decisions on behalf of that kingdom. And then to leave our convention with the firm resolve that every decision we've made, we will in fact seek to execute. As I speak to you right now, our world is in trouble. Our world is in trouble. Leaders of nations don't know what to do. The United Nations as an institution is confused and perplexed. And our world has become an incubator of fear, depression, despondency, and hopelessness characterized by uncertainty. There is economic uncertainty. And for all those who put their trust in the almighty dollar, they're in for a rude awakening and a major surprise. Because there will come a time when money will have no power. Everybody's talking about inflation. That's what it means. Money is losing its power. Not only is there economic uncertainty, but there is political uncertainty. And people all over the world are crying out, we, we want a man, we, we, we want a woman, we, we want someone who has the political genius who somehow might be able to establish a utopia on the earth. Now you and I know better. We know that will never happen because there never will truly be peace until the Prince of Peace rules and reigns. Can we give him praise and give him glory today? Just a few years ago, the bear and the eagle had become friends. And we were about to take our battle axes and turn them into plowshares and our swords into pruning hooks. And all of a sudden, just like the Bible says, when they cry peace, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. In no other area, though, that man's depravity has shown itself than in the social area. We have economic uncertainty, political uncertainty, but there is social uncertainty. People are inventing new ways to rebel against God. I don't know if you've noticed it, but we preserve nature and we kill babies. We build houses, but we've forgotten how to build homes. We're bigger, but we're not stronger. We're smarter, but we're not wiser. We know more, but we understand less. Man has invented systems in order to respond to the difficulties of our world. So we have capitalism. Capitalism says the strong should control. Communism says the state should control. So we're in a quandary. What I'd like to introduce to us today is a third choice. I call it the unlimited world of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yea, the kingdom of God. I've come to tell you today 
that God's kingdom has no beginning and it has no end. And I've come to announce to you that the kingdoms of this world shall become, oh somebody better help me here, shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ and he shall rule and reign forever. Come on church, come on church, come on church. It is the priority of that kingdom that I'd like to talk with you about today. The priority of the kingdom of God. I heard a story one time about this man who went to the doctor. He was having some problems. And he went into the doctor's office when it was his turn. He touched and said, Hi, doc, it hurts here. It, uh, it hurts here. The doctor says, touch your knees. Ah, it hurts here. Everywhere he touched, hurts. <laughs> over and over, over and over, it hurts. Everywhere. Everywhere I touch, doc, it hurts. Touch your head. Oh. After careful examination, and much frustration, the doctor exclaimed to him, you idiot, you've got a broken finger. <laughs> it felt like everything was wrong, but only one thing. And if he could get that one thing right, then everything else that seemed wrong would be right. You better give God praise because today I present to you the one thing. Come on, give God praise. Stand up. Give God praise for the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody give God praise. Help with the monitors. Hallelujah. A lot of people have a whole bunch of things wrong. Life, direction, purpose relationships, you name it. Looks like a whole lot of stuff is wrong. Today I want to talk to you about the one thing. Because when, when that thing is not right, everything else seems out of place. That one thing is the centerpiece. It's the centerpiece of kingdom living of victorious living, of godly living, of finding meaning in life. And the word of God expresses it. They are the words of Jesus, but, come on somebody say but. Oh, I, I love it, I call it a divine but. There are lots of those in the scripture like weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in 
the morning. Come on, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. Jesus said, but seek ye first. Come on, church, seek ye first, not second, not third. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things shall be added unto you. I've come to tell you that the kingdom of God is powerful. Ain't no kingdom like the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me down there? There is no kingdom like the kingdom of God. Come on, let's celebrate the power and the glory of the kingdom of God. You know, this is the one thing, if it ever gets right, everything else will fall into place. And my focus today is just one word, is the word first. If first gets lost, then your experience with God is diminished. Oh, you didn't hear me. If first gets lost, then your experience with God is diminished. Here's what I'm discovering, Pastor. God likes to be first. Come on, tell the person next to you. God likes to be first. In fact, he and his kingdom demands being first. God is first. Hear me. Not the first among equals, first. Hello? Some people say, well, I don't have time. You always have time for that which is first. If you ain't got time for him, it's because he's not first. Hello? When God created man, he made it clear. I want to be first. Abel's success was not that he brought a sheep, but that he brought that which was first. Cain just brought the fruit of the ground. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. He brought that which was first. And so it was more acceptable. Why? It was first. Let's all say first. Over and over again, God told his people, bring me that which is first. God does not like leftovers. Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, you have left that which is first, and you're in trouble. Oh, you love me all right, you just don't love me first. (laughs) The saints at Macedonia in 2 Corinthians 8, they gave themselves first. In Colossians 1, that Jesus Christ might have first place in everything. 
Hear me, the absence of the word first created everything else that we see around us. All of the chaos, the mayhem we see around us. And understand, this is not a request. <laughs> it is a requirement. It is the creme de la creme. It is the irreducible minimum. God says, I want to be first. It is an unnegotiable reality. You can't negotiate with God to take second place. Seek ye. Come on, child of God, help me. Are we, are we sleeping here? Come on, seek ye. Seek ye first. Tell the person next to you, seek ye first. God is saying to us, I am not one among many. Because I can be compared to no one. God is in a class all by himself. He has no comrades. He has no equal. He's in a class all by himself. And he told the people in Malachi's generation, what? You're bringing me your leftovers. God says, take your leftovers and give them to your governors. But as for me, he said, I am the almighty God. Somebody better give God praise and give God glory. You better give him praise. I said, you better give him praise. God don't like lukewarm praise. If you're going to praise God, you got to praise him because he's first. Everyone stand up and give God praise. Give God glory. He's first. Come on, open your mouth and declare it. You are first. You are first. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I like when God speaks. God says, take your leftovers. Give them to your governors. Don't come to me with half-hearted praise. Don't come to me all tired and full of excuses. Don't come to me with your laziness. If you're going to praise me, praise me like I'm first. Because we love that which is first. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Some of you brothers, you got your hands in your pocket. Take your hands out of your pocket, man, and give him who is first all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. He's first. Seek ye first. Let's all say together, seek ye first. You see, friends, you can be seated. It is this one thing that is responsible for everything else. The movement of God from first place is responsible for everything that we are seeing around us. Oh, I know we worship. I know people serve him, but is he first? 
Seek ye first. Some people have changed this around. Seek ye first all other things, then the kingdom will be added to you. But that's not what God said. He said, seek ye first. But we, we are masters at misnaming things. So it's like, you know, people say they have living rooms, but the living rooms are more like visiting rooms. We live more in the den than in the kitchen, and in the kitchen than in the living room. Sometimes the living room is unlivable. I went to a friend of mine overseas, and his wife had this real thick plastic on the, on the couches and stuff, man. You couldn't sit on that stuff. You just stick up on it and all sweaty. So I went to the kitchen and sat on a stool. Wow. <laughs> just as driveways and parkways. We park in driveways and we drive in parkways. We're masters at misnaming things. People have also misnamed God. They call him God, but he's only God for a visitation. I'm tired of visitations. I don't want God to visit me no more. I want God to come and live with me. Are you hearing me down there? What you need is not a visitation from God. You need the habitation of the Spirit. You need to learn to lift up your hands in total abandon and sing praise to God until the glory of God envelops you and you know that you know that you, are you hearing me? That you know that that which you sense is not humanly produced or manufactured, but it's a product of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody give God praise and give him glory? I don't want no more visitation. I want him to come live with me. Because all we have is as a result of this visitation, it is a visiting experience. Another first class, first place relationship with him. Hear me, church. Seek ye first the kingdom. If that is missing, we have just identified the cause of everything else that is wrong. God must not, be, must not only be acknowledged as God, he must be treated as God. He must be worshipped as God. When he is not, the kingdom that he offers is not benefited by us. Seek ye first. Oh, somebody, God is speaking to somebody, not second, not third, not fourth or fifth. Seek ye first. I read about a couple who was going on a trip overseas and they were about to check in. And the husband exclaimed, Sure wish I had brought the piano with me. Piano? Brought the piano? Then he repeated it again. Sure wish I had brought the piano with me. His wife said, what are you talking about? She thought he was having like a senior moment or something. We're going on vacation and you're talking about the piano. 
And then he said, because I left the passports on the piano. In, in, in other words, no matter what else they did, they were going nowhere fast. No matter how well they had packed, or planned, or prepared, or even dressed, they couldn't go anywhere because the main thing was missing. Oh, you're not hearing me. The main thing. You can't travel without it. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. If we get that right, we won't have a challenge-free life, but we will have a kingdom-aligned life. Somebody better get happy and give God praise. You know what I discovered? If you want to give God your heart, give him your treasure. Jesus, you know, we misquote this all the time. We say to people, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That's not what the verse says. God says, where your treasure is. Oh, you know if he's first this morning. Look at your checkbook. Look at those duplicates and see. You know. It's one thing to say he's first. And I don't know why Jesus and God uses this as a measure of our commitment. But he says, where you put your money, that's where your heart is. Uh-oh. Amen. Ouch. Hello. Hi. Why did you bring him here, Pastor? That's <laughs> good. Seek ye first the rule of God. Well, I'm going to make a word here now. The in-chargeness of God. The in-chargeness of God over our lives. Who do, who do we go to to solve our problems? To handle our issues? Who do we go to for guidance? Hear me. God will not be the thing when nothing else has worked. People wind up at God and they wonder why everything is failing. Friends, the key to everything else is seeky first. And I'll tell you this. What I saw today was just an expansion of what God showed me yesterday. You're about to experience a move of God such as you never have. You're about to see glory revealed in the house of God here at Bethel like you never have. Oh, how many of you believe me here today? Because we're about to turn the key that unlocks the door to everything. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the word of God, not the word of your friends. Seek ye first God's perspective, not the world's perspective. How often have you said to your children, why didn't you come to me? 
first. Wow. Simple but profound, isn't it? You know, somebody said, and I told the men yesterday, lest you brothers think I forgot what I said, you know, my last story. <laughs> and I'd be accused of having senior moments all the time. But somebody said, God is so simple and easy to understand that sometimes it takes a preacher to help you to misunderstand him. I hope I'm not adding to anybody's ignorance here today. Seek ye first. A man had two calves. How do you say it? I, I, you know, I'm still learning English. Baby cows. Calves? Right. He had two calves. And he said to his wife, You know, one is for God and one is for us. And they grew. And grew and grew. And he talked with his wife. This is for God. This is for us. And one morning he went into wherever, how do you call it, where they keep cows? The pasture, wherever, yeah. And he came back sad into the house. His wife said, why are you so sad? He said, God's calf died. How does he know which one belonged to God? <laughs> he was going to sell God's own and bring the money to the house of God. Poor God. He's died. Wow. Wow. It is always God's own. It's always what belongs to God that suffers. It's always the church that suffers. It's always our commitment to God. Well, I've got this to do, that to do, the other to do. God can wait. But friends, the question, it begs the question. Who is first? seeking first their kingdom their dreams their desires their aspirations I had an uncle those I said had lived in England all his life became very very wealthy real estate and all of that and he came back to Dominica and built the biggest house in the country Oh, he was quite a show-off. He, he didn't like his wife's relatives. He told me that personally. This is not reported speech now. He told me he built the house with a basement. That's for his wife's relatives, he said. He don't want them to come upstairs and sit down on his couch and his air condition. This guy's a mean old dude, man. In fact, he kept a party for the entire family and he kept it in the basement. No air condition. We were sweating. I said, man, this, this is something else. But wait a minute. He lived in England almost 50 years. Came back to Dominica. He lived in the house for one year. And then he died. Guess who is sleeping in his bed now? Come on, let it go around. Guess who is sleeping in his bed now? Them same relatives, they're sleeping in his bed and sitting on his couch. Listen to me, friends. 
A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Seek ye first. I've come to tell you, seek ye first. Seek ye first. Don't live your life to acquire. Live your life to become. Are you hearing me? Seek ye first the rule of God. And until that switch is made, we will feel all the pain. It'll hurt everywhere, all over, when only one thing is wrong. So we go to one for the head, one for the arm, one for the knees, and so on. Where all the time God is saying, your finger is dislocated. You have not sought the kingdom first. I got nothing against church. But Jesus only used the word one time. But every gospel you go through, I must go to preach the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Oh, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You're not just part of a church. You're a citizen of a kingdom. Are you hearing me? And God has placed you here not to replace him, but to represent him. Are you hearing me? You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And the key to kingdom success is the word first. Let's all shout it together. First. Let's say it again. First. One more time. First. It is the prioritization of the rule of God in our lives. Now watch the context. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Don't worry. He talks about the word worry. Therefore, do not worry, verse 34, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. When God is first, he solves our anxiety problems. You're not hearing me. When God is first, all of our issues are brought into perspective. When God is first, you wake up in the morning and you thank God that you put one leg in front of the other and you declare this is the day that the Lord hath made. When God is first, he makes a way for you where there seem to be no way. When God is first, he takes you through. Listen, friends, it's not who you are. It's not who's your mother. It's not who's your father. That's important in life. It's not whether you are white or black. People are making problems out of race and all of those kinds of things. That's not the problem. Those are symptomatic of the problem. The 
problem is God is not first when God is first it doesn't matter if you are black or white when God is first it doesn't matter who's your mother or who's your father what's important is who is with you because when God is with you he makes a way where there seemed to be no way when God is with you he takes you through the fire are you hearing me and you're not burnt he takes you through the floods and you're not overrun when God is with you somebody give God praise give God glory When God is first, when God is first, he solves your anxiety problems. When God is first, he makes the wrong right. You see, worry is when the problem is in control. You may be concerned. When God is in control, you are just concerned. But when worry is in control, then you got a different kind of problem. The problem is now in control. I've come to tell you, you can be concerned, but don't be worried. Don't be worried. I've come to tell you that he who begun a good work in you, he shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? I've come to tell you, ain't no problem that you face that God can't solve. I've come to tell you that the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. I've come to tell you that God is not worried. God is not troubled. God can take care of you. Oh, you're not hearing me today. God can heal you. God can bless you. God can make a way for you. Where there is no way, he's strong and powerful. And there's no one like our God. Can you put your hands together? Give God praise. I've never seen a bird with an ulcer. God takes care of the birds. Come on, talk to me a little here. Oh, you are shook up and worried. You know why? Because he's not first. And God is saying to you, you are shook up and you're worried because I'm not first. Don't allow the problems to overwhelm you. Just put God first. Oh my God, my God, my God. If you put God first, he'll take care of the problem ain't no problem bigger than your God oh my God my God Moses had to learn to put God first he came out to God with 650,000 people starving there is, there, is, there is a drought in the land and Moses goes to God and God says Moses I'm going to take care of my people. Moses said, you're kidding. I can see how you could provide them with food. 
for one day, but you're telling me you're gonna provide them with food for a month? This is drought season. God says, is there anything too difficult for me? Is there any limit to my power? I have come to present to you a summons from the portals of glory. God is real. God is alive. God is strong. God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all, you can ask or think somebody. Give God praise. Give God glory. Can I use one of your handhelds? God said to Moses, he said, Moses, is there any limit to my power? What Moses didn't know was that long before the meteorologist had discerned that the clouds were turning, long before there was the wind, God had begun to prepare some birds called quail 500 miles away on the shores of the Mediterranean. Don't mess with my God. God is able. Come on, tell someone. Oh, I'm feeling this thing in my belly. God is able. Tell somebody. God is able. And God specializes in using the most unlikely prospects. It's like taking four leprous men and delivering a whole nation. So that in the end, he will get the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now if you know anything about quail, they don't fly for long distances. They flutter like prairie chickens for short distances. But God chooses the quail. And all of a sudden, a little wind begins to blow. Instinctively, the quail are wanting to take flight. And they've taken flight and noticed that they're not flying for short distances anymore because the wind of God has gotten on. Do you ever feel sometimes you need some strength? You are my strength, strength like no other. Come on, child of God. You feel like you, you need some strength. You need someone to help you. You feel like your face and your world is caving in. Everything is caving in on you. you look to the right ain't no solution you look to the left you look to the doctor you look to the shrink you'll go to the palm reader you go everywhere trying to find solutions and you feel overwhelmed come on have you ever felt overwhelmed I have well I've come to tell you my God my God my God when your heart is overwhelmed let him lead you to the rock that is higher 
than you are. I've come to tell you that God will be a very present help in time of trouble. I've come to tell you that your God is willing, your God is able, and your God is able to keep, to do, and to cause. Can somebody give God praise, give God glory? Moses <laughs> and the wind comes and the quail begins to fly and God sustains them in flight he's sustaining them in flight and guess what they're going right over the Hebrews where they are faced with a drought and then the clouds begin to let off their moisture and their rain they got so heavy with the water that the, the quail began to, to land somebody did a survey based on the depth of the quail as stated in the word of God and said the spot was the size of Washington D.C. Quail everywhere. Oh, you're not hearing me. God is going to bless you. You put him first. God is going to heal you. You put him first. God is going to provide for you. You put him first. He says seek ye first. Then all these things, all these things. How many of you need some things? to be added to you well the command is seek ye first come on tell the person next to you no more kidding seek ye first you know I accepted Jesus Christ when I was 18 years old 18 years old I still remember the day, it was a Wednesday evening, about nine o'clock in the evening. There was an old preacher there, he had come from England, he originally from Dominica, but lived in England, and came, Brother Benjamin. He preached about God's traffic lights. I didn't know God had traffic lights. The fact is, I'd never seen traffic lights. There were no traffic lights in my country, I think they've got one now. And he said, the lights are now in green. Whosoever will may come. But he said, there's a time it's going to turn red. I wasn't interested in that discussion. That night I surrendered to Jesus. I felt I was a convicted criminal. I was 18 years old. I told the man some of my story yesterday. A very troubled young man. My father was an alcoholic. He was a very bad one. My father got to the point where he would smell alcohol and get drunk. And he abused my mom. He called her all kinds of bad names. He accused her of being unfaithful. He cussed her out. My father would take two and three cuss words and put together. And I often say, I know, I know to cuss a woman out. I learned that from a kid. And there go I, had it not been for the grace of God. My father never one time in my life put his arms around me. And never one time in my life told me he loved me. Never. Never. And I've grew, I grew up wondering whether I was even his child. And he doubted his paternity at some point in my matriculation in life. Even today, my two older sisters 
that he had by his first wife. He was not married to my mother. We were all born out of adultery. And my two older sisters a few years ago contacted all of us because they never talked with us. But they have gravitated toward the others because there was always a question about me. I said, why me? And you grew up in life like that. You got trouble coming down the pike for you. I was introduced to all kinds of stuff. But to me, my greatest problem was that I was never sure of myself. I was always looking for me. I'll tell you this. Satan will try to hide you from you. He don't mind if you have a big house, a nice car, as long as you don't meet you. That's why the graveyard is the most expensive piece of real estate in any community. Because there you have dreams that were never realized, songs that were never sung, books that were never written. I've been on the search for myself. And I think the passion that I bring to what God has called me to do is because I'm still looking for daddy. I'm still hoping that maybe one day, Pastor, my father will just stand up in the congregation and point at me and say, there goes my boy. And I'm still looking for his approval. I have found it in God. But that earthly thing, I'm still, I know that's maybe a dream that won't be realized. But I think it helps me to be passionate in the direction of my Heavenly Father. I accepted Jesus. I left high school. Didn't do particularly well. Because everybody told me I was stupid. When I was 13, somebody alerted me to the fact that I had a big nose. And I went home. Be careful what people tell your children. You better tell them you love them, your daughters, before a guy tells them. Let them know they're pretty and they're fearfully and wonderfully. I went home and I was looking in the mirror, checking. I later discovered I was the apple of God's eyes. And that God loved me with an everlasting love. And no matter how low I sunk, God loves me. And that God, the only time he would look down on me is when he's picking me up. I've learned to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I've learned to put him first. I was taking care of a preacher's dogs and chickens. I would get up at 5.30 in the morning, go to his house and take care of his dogs and chickens. I would take care of those birds like they were mine. I would take his dogs to the beach. Let them take swim in the Caribbean Sea. People laughed, mocked, even my friends at church. They mocked me. But I felt that was part of keeping God first in my life. And would you know that it was one, on one of those trips that he had gone to America and visited some people from Texas that he had met at Lakewood Church, John Osteen's church, and invited them to Dominica. Joy Regal, Wilbur Regal, and Tommy Flood. Tommy is Joy's brother. Wilbur is her husband. And I called Joy's name first because there is a reason. And he came to me one day, that is my pastor. He said, would you 
would you show them the town? I was so poorly dressed. I don't some little cutoffs. I had flip-flops on, but it was half a flip-flop. Half of my foot was on, on the stones on the road, and half was secure. And I took them to town, showing them. And I'll never forget, we were standing on the horizon looking at the Caribbean Sea. And Joy turned to me, and she said, young man, what is your name? And I said, Sinclair Mitchell. My name used to be Sinclair. I changed it later on to Saint Clair because I was zealous for God and I didn't want sin in my name. <laughs> and she said, Mitchell, a little white woman, five foot four inches tall, thank God for little white ladies. And little black ladies too, and little Indian ladies. Thank God for all ladies, but I'm telling you, thank God for Joy Regal. Mitchell, Mitchell, I still hear her voice echoing through the corridors of time three times. Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell. You see, friends, if you put God first, there are things God knows about you. And I don't care how far, like the quail, they may be 500 miles away. God knows your address. Oh my God, you're not hearing me. God knows your name. God knows your number. God knows where you live. Hallelujah. Eight years, friends, if you lie, you begin to die. I'm not here to speak evangelistically. I'm not here to make God look good. God don't need me to be good. But I need him desperately in my life. Eight years before she met me, when I was 10 years old, a little boy with my big nose, I was the butt of the joke, the scorn of society. A woman told me one time, shut up, she says, you're the son of an adulterer. Oh, those things sting you and hurt you. Lonely in this world. You're surrounded by people, but they don't even know that you're locked up in a prison. You're locked up in a world. And yes, you're older now, but some of those pains are haunting you. And they're hurting you. And nobody seemed to understand. I found peace in putting God first. Mitchell. When I was 15, 16 years old, I asked God to kill me. I didn't want to live. I wouldn't kill myself. I don't have the courage to do that. But I doubt that Maybe that I ever even wanted that. But that's how I expressed I knelt down, I begged him. Because my older brother had dealt me a severe blow. And I was in excruciating pain. He had hit me in a very private part of my body, knocked me out. I ended up, I woke up the next day in the hospital. Swollen organs. And it's always, why me? Christmas Day, 1973, the guy hit me with a rock. I ended up in the hospital. 
What have I done? Seems like life has targeted me for sorrow and for pain and for trouble. And I think along those times, I most probably was hating God and hating my father and hating society, but also hating myself. Eight years before Joy Regal met me, God gave her my name. It's been so long, but it feels like it's yesterday. God told her, now watch this, she never had a child of her own. God told her, you will meet Mitchell. When you meet him, take him as your child and send him to a Bible college because I've called him to the ministry. Church, may my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I lie to you. Joy Regal, a little white woman, brought me back to Texas. Worked like clockwork. And she took me through the house. Wilbur was a little older than her. But Wilbur loved Jesus. He learned Spanish when he was 80 years old so he could go to Mexico to preach the gospel. And she says, this is your room. I said, what? I never had a room of my own. I slept by my neighbor on the floor because I didn't want to hurt my father. So he took me in and I'd follow him through town because I couldn't get in after him. And he would have his table set that his mother would prepare his food for him and I'd go into the room and lie on the floor, sometimes hungry. Wow. She says, this is your room. She says, call me mom. Because I'm your mother. At first it was a little awkward, but I tell you, it doesn't take long to get accustomed to good living. <laughs> I started calling her mom. Mom Rago. My mom. She put me to sit down on the couch. She would take Jurgen's cream. And she says, take off your shoes, come. And she'd cream my feet. And she says, how beautiful. It's the first time somebody told me I had beautiful feet. And it's true, if you see them, you'll know that. <laughs> uh, she would say, how beautiful are your feet? I didn't realize that she was a prophetess of God. She was prophesying my future. She says, God is going to take you to the nations, son, and you will preach the gospel to multiply thousands of people. Tomorrow I leave for Africa. The first week of December, I'll be speaking in a stadium to over 30,000 people. God is awesome. God is good. God is great. God is glorious. And I've come to declare him to you today. Seek ye first. Oh, somebody, give God praise and give God glory. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. The in chargeness of God.
Seek ye first the rule of God. Joy Regal sent me to Bible college. And she put in her will that when she dies, that I should officiate at her funeral service. And a few years ago, I got the call. She, she fell and broke her hip, went for surgery, and a blood clot from her leg. She died. I flew down to Texas, Route 1, Box 314C, Buchanan Dam, Texas, 78609, her retirement home, and officiated in a home-going service. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to heaven someday, and there'll be people wanting to see Paul and Peter and all these people. But I'm going to look around for my mom. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I don't care what you think about it. That's your problem. I'm telling you, I'm going to look for my mom. I want to hug her. I want to kiss her. And I tell you, I wish I could sing like you ladies can sing. Because I want to say to her, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am the life that was changed. Am I doing okay? Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad I'm losing my key here. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for putting God first. Thank you for not listening to society who says when you're black and when you're white, you got to hate one another. Thank you, Lord, for someone who put God first. Are you hearing me? By the way, I just saw a picture. God shows me things, you know. I just saw a picture. Black people, white people, this church is going to be a Mecca. And it's going to be an example to the whole nation of the love of God among people. The world is feeding us a lot of hate and trying to get us to hate one another, friends. We got to love one another. For love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Are you hearing me down there? Oh, hallelujah. Joy Regal sent me to Bible college. That woman loved me. Oh my God, she loved me. She taught me to love. She taught me to live. And one of the most important lessons that she taught me was to be comfortable in my own skin and to understand that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that no matter what people have said to you, God loves you, son. Now, I cry easily. I'm a grown man, I, so I cry. Because my biological mother taught me to cry, so I'll cry so many times. I say, God, I don't just want to cry, but I want you to touch my heart, and I don't mind if you make me cry, because I'm desperate for you. The devil has taken so much but God is restoring to me everything the devil has taken away from me. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And I discovered, Pastor, I discovered me in God, the person that God created me to be. And I stand before you totally and absolutely content with God's view of me. Hallelujah. They tried to get me to be a science student, but I don't know math and I don't like physics or chemistry. But God made me to paint pictures with words because he wanted me to be a spokesperson of righteousness. And God has placed in my heart and in my life a love for broken people. For mothers who are here today, you're broken. Maybe in a bad relationship. For fathers who are here today, that you're broken. And then I read the book of Psalms and I found out that God is listed more times as the God of Jacob than the God of anyone else. You see, Jacob was a broken man, a supplanter, a trickster, and all of that. Basically, I've just come to tell you, he loves you. And all he wants is for you to put him first. And you will see his miracles. He will begin to reveal himself to you. I read a book the other day, and I'm going to close, about a young man by the name, I think, Adam Taylor. And he went to Ethiopia. He had a six-figure salary in Washington, D.C. And while he was walking the streets of Ethiopia, I've been to Ethiopia a few times, somebody just popped up from the manhole cover on the street, frightened. And there came a boy, 14, 15 years old, barefoot, dirty, smelly, And the boy said to him, he, he engaged the boy, and the boy said to him, come, I'll show you where I live. And the boy took him down the steps into the sewer, where there are hundreds of boys. He said, God, I was in a sewer. And Adam said God told him to take his brand new sneakers off that he had paid hundreds of dollars for and give it to that boy. And then God spoke to him. God said, put me first. Go back to America. Resign. And come back here. He was broken. What he saw changed him. I'd like to take you on a trip with me to Cameroon. So you can see little boys and girls who put their hand where they pack. A prophet Chico has been there. They're touching the glass and the van so you can put your hand. Where people from America are in the airports ready to go back home. And everybody's in tears because we cannot believe the depravity. You can't believe the pain. You just can't believe it. Adam came back to America, sold everything he had. And somebody gave donations. They bought a house for the lost boys of Ethiopia. I'll tell you this. In your sophistication and your luxury, all of us were in a sewer. It's a sewer of life. 
And God looked down and saw us. And he said, who will go for me? And Jesus, without hesitation, said, I will. Friends, I have said to God, I will. The rest of my life, I will give to the poor of this world. Because I was poor. I will give to the hungry of this world. Even if it costs me my life. I read about, um, what's his name? The, the, he was a missionary, John G. Lake. Someone said, you're going to Africa to die, to get malaria and typhoid. And he says, it's okay, I've been looking for a reason to die for Jesus. Friends, if you love God, this, this is not about a story that somebody told us. This is not about a story the white man dreamed up. Or the black man dreamed up. This is real, friends. God is real. The love of God is real. God speaks to his people. And God desperately wants us to put him first in our lives. So we can sing with conviction, where you lead me, I will go. I've given my life to it. I depleted my retirement account with the Assemblies of God. You can call them and find out. And I've given to the work of God. Because if this, if this is true, then the only way we're going to experience it is to obey it. Orphans. Women of destiny who are abused. Young girls 13 years old just to get somebody to help them to get in the line and get water have to give up of themselves and get pregnant. And I know in our world, we, we are fussing about abortion and all of that. What about after they're born? You know? I, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I met some people at Alexandria the, the other day and they were out protesting and so on and they, they don't know who I am and I wasn't going to tell them. And, um, I was, someone was going to do some legal work. It was a lady, but there is an abortion clinic there, and they just assumed that the lady was going there and that I was accompanying her there. It's the furthest thing from the truth. And I asked the man, I said, by the way, have you ever adopted a child? And he looked at me. It was like I hit him right between the eyes. Have you ever done that? Do you have, if you have the grace to protest against a young woman, most people make those kinds of decisions because they think they need to make those decisions. They don't have to, but they think. And sometimes maybe just a better understanding of them could help them and could avert a bad situation. I'm tired of the hypocrisy. I'm tired of religion. That's why I don't preach no more. I talk to people about God. I'm tired. I'm tired of people coming to church, but God is not first in their life. I'm tired of a form of godliness, but denying the power of God. I'll tell you this. I was three weeks saved, serving Jesus in the church. And I, I came to the front of the church in an altar call on a Friday night, three weeks. I, I didn't even know God was a healer. I didn't know that. I was sick. My brother dumped me a blow. I was swollen organs, tubes. I mean, it was a mess. 
I told a story one time at, at Manassas preaching for Charles Nestor, and, and the lady reported me to the Assemblies of God. She said, where do you get this guy from coming talking about, you know, God healed his testicles? She says, we're a good old Assembly of God church. We don't use those words in the pulpit. Dr. Roden called me into his office, big long letter. But I'll tell you this, I fear no one. I fear no one. And I said to Dr. Roden, and I love Dr. Roden very much. With, you know, he's no longer my boss, he's my friend now. I said, if God had healed my finger, would it be okay to say God healed my finger? I rest my case. I said, that lady has a dirty mind. Go cast out the devil from her because she is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't walk I had to walk very carefully friction, burning wicked sensations and on a Wednesday Friday night I am praying just I don't know how to praise God I just said what I heard other people saying Oh, there is power in praising God. Oh, that, especially when God is first. Or when you want him to be first. There's something powerful. I mean, you guys are absolutely, come on, give them a good hand. These guys are phenomenal. <laughs> and I'm praising God, my hands lifted. And I'm just saying, God, I praise you. God, I worship you. God, I love you. When I exhausted my vocabulary, I just began to call his name. There is power in the name of Jesus when Jesus is first. Somebody put your hands together. Give God praise. Give God glory. Oh, hallelujah. I began to praise God. And then when I exhausted my very limited spiritual vocabulary, I just began to call his name. Oh, there is something about the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. I just began to call his name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then I just... I'm on the floor. Nobody touched me. I'm on the floor. And while I'm on the floor, I felt different. It's like I went in a, I don't know, a trance or whatever. And when I woke up, there was singing, Blessed be the fountain of blood to a world of sinners revealed. Blessed be the dear Son of God only by his stripes we are healed. Though I've wandered far from the fold, bringing to my heart pain and woe, wash me in the blood of the Lamb, and I shall be whiter than snow, whiter than the snow. And I found myself dancing. I said, wait a minute, I couldn't dance a moment ago. 
I'm going two steps here, two steps. And said, what a minute. What's going on? No, I'm praying for the service to be over because I want to go home and have some self-examination. I've come to tell you that God is a miracle working God. Put God first. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Everyone standing in the presence of God today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Friends, I got up from the floor totally healed. I never thought I would ever have children. God gave me four. I never thought that I'd become anything in life but the son of an adulterer. But I became the son of a king. Hallelujah. I never thought anybody loved me except my biological mother. But then God sent a little white woman from America to literally change my life. Wow. I never thought that I would amount to anything in life. But God has changed me and rearranged me. And God has given me a passion for the orphans of the world. There are several things I want to do here today. The people here who need to be saved, the people here who need to be healed. God wants to begin something here that is fresh, that is powerful. God wants to start something here today. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I'm just going to get out of God's way. But friends, I, I want you to help us to go to Africa. Pastor will talk about that, I'm sure, after in a while. I, want, I don't want to concentrate on that. I want, you, I want you to do something sacrificial. We have a huge budget that we have to... I mean, God has given to me Cameroon. He's given me the keys to Cameroon. Meeting with governmental ministers. They've given me the, all of the prisons in Cameroon to design a re-entry program for people who are incarcerated. With the mayor, the coastal song of town of Kribi, the mayor next Tuesday will be handing me the keys to the city and inviting me. We'll be on television and all of that, but all of that comes with a huge cost and we need your help to, to make that happen. But I want to mention what is important right now because I'm sensing in my heart that there are people here today you just desperately need God. You need God to do something for you. You, you need God to touch you. Don't worry about the time right now. I want you to focus on what God wants to do for you right now. Pastor, I'm telling you, oh my God, my God, I'm hearing thunder and lightning and wind and rain. It is about to rain. Are you ready for this, Bethel? Are, are you ready? Are you ready for what God is about to do with you, through you and in you? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. If you're here today and you need God in your life, God is not first. He's not in the vicinity. But you came here today You're in search of answers. You're saying, preacher, I want, I want God to be first in my life. I promise you, I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to pray with you and pray for you. 
They said, would you pray with me? I want God to be first. I, I want Jesus as my Lord and my Savior today, today, today. Right where you are. Just put your hand up and then put it back down. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. I see your hand, sir. Anybody, just, I see your hand. Anybody, just lift your hand up. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Just lift it up high. Lift it up high. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I see your hands. I see your hands over there. Don't be. I, thank you. I see your hands, sir. In the name of Jesus, friends, I'm telling you, let's put God first. And yeah, you may be coming to church, but you know God is not first. You know he's not first. He's not first with your time. He's not first with your talent. He's not first with your money. He's not first. You come to church, all right, but you said today, I'm making up my mind. God is going to be first. Put your hand up. Don't be afraid. Put your hand up. Thank you. Now, everybody who lifted your hand, just go ahead. I said, I want to pray for you. Walk out of where you are and just come. Come. Yes, ma'am, at the back in black. Come, come, come. Just don't be afraid to come. Please come. Start coming. You lifted your hand. Thank you. Thank you for coming, my dear. In the name of Jesus. Many of you lifted your hands. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just walk out of where you are. Just come stand here and face me. Just stand here and face me. Come. In the black over there at the back. You lifted your hand. Come. That's right. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come. Come. Come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Come. Come. Just as you are. Come. Amen. Oh my God, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, there is glory in this house. Stay worshiping, please. There is, oh my God. Angels. Angels. God, Pastor, and there are angels. There are angels in the house of God. Right now, there are angels in the church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Lift your hands. Worship God. Worship God. Miracles are about to happen in the house of the Lord. Come on, worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Worship God. Oh. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, oh, the glory of God, <laughs> the glory of God, the glory of God is in the house of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you. You can help us with something soft and Thank you, Jesus. I want you, all of you who come, just come closer to the platform. Come closer to the platform. Come closer. Come closer to the platform. Thank you. Pastor, I've never asked a man to come preach at this church. I want to come back here. I want to come back and walk with you for a season. Hampton is about to be changed. This church is ready for a manifestation of the glory of God. You have prayed for it. You have cried for it. This church is about to be literally changed. 
and God brought you to this church for this time. You are God's man for this time. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Oh, sing it. Let's worship him. Sing it. some of you to come and stand behind these I want some of you to just walk out of where you are we're gonna build a current of worship just just leave a little space between you and those who have come just come oh, oh my goodness yes yes hallelujah you are my strength my strength Oh my God, you're so anointed. Strength like no other. Hallelujah. Strength like no other. Oh, sing it, my dear. Sing it. Reaches in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, sing the song. Sing the song. Sing the song.
Hallelujah to the Lord. We worship you, Lord. I want to thank you, Jesus. Those who came to the front today, yes, Lord. I want you to. I want to lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Lord. I want to lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to say after me, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Congregation, let's all pray the prayer. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I ask you. I ask you to forgive me of not knowing, of not doing, and not growing. Lord, I repent. Today, I put you first, and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Jesus. Save me. I believe in your death, burial, and resurrection. And I believe you're coming again. And I confess with my mouth that as of this day, I put you first and I will serve you until I meet you in the clouds. In Jesus' name. Now put your hands together. Help, help this young lady. Let her, let her just, just let her stand up a little. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I see. What I see, my dear. I see this young lady walking past her, but she's walking like this because there are chains she's pulling behind her. There's just a lot of stuff, a lot of weight. I don't, I don't need to go into the things, but it's just a lot of weight. God is lifting the word for her today. <laughs> I don't know her. I've never met her, but I feel. I feel she's pulling something. And oh, ye daughter of Zion, as a servant of God, who's am I whom I serve? I break the shackles off of your ankles today in the name of Jesus. Sister Pastor, would you come? I want you, I want, I want, I want, Sister Pastor, I want you to, I want you to hug her. God says you need to hug her. Come on, give them a hand. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. You see, everything, everything they told you is not true. It's not true. They told me so much stuff. They told me I'd fail. They told me I was ugly. I won't amount to anything. All I ever found with people was that they criticized. They told me what I couldn't do. That's why I'll never ever criticize you. What's your name, my dear? Come. What's your name? Gabriel, I bless you. 
I bless you with the grace of God. God is touching Gabriel's heart. There's something he's doing in her. He's touching her heart. There are tears that has to flow from her. And today is the beginning. Don't be afraid to cry, my dear. <laughs> Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid, you see. They're starting. Don't be afraid. God loves you. And God will perfect that which concerns you. Amen. Bless you. What's your name? Daniela. God bless you, Daniela. You're beautiful. And God cares about you. Put him first. And you will see. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe it. Just put him first. And see God work. Lift your hands to Jesus. Lift both your hands. Close your eyes. And just begin to tell God you love him. You love him. There is something awesome about you. God is about you. See, exactly what I'm saying. I knew it. You know what? God shows me things and I feel things. I feel you running. But then sometimes you have to jump high over. There's a huge barrier you have to jump high over. And it's like you struggle because you've got to jump over the barrier. God says, the struggle is over. Oh my God, my God. <laughs> What's your name? Lisa. God bless you, Lisa. God bless you. You ran down to the altar today. Lift your hands to Jesus. Lift your hands to Jesus. The beauty of God's salvation will be revealed in your life in the name of Jesus. And the things that you thought were impossible, to you they were impossible, but not to God. In the name of Jesus. God bless you, my dear. God bless you. You're hardworking and you're strong. You're hardworking and you're strong. Wow. Hardworking and you're strong. And God says he's going to bless the fruit of your hands. Don't worry. It's going to get better. <laughs> I speak grace to your life, my dear sister. I speak grace to your life in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Bless you, my dear. Yeah. I hear the word wandering, wandering. Just wandering, wandering. God says the days of wandering are over. Oh my God. The days of wandering are over. You don't have to wander and wander and wander anymore because you have Jesus. And Jesus will perfect that which concerns you. He will perfect that which concerns you. God has blessed, brought you to a place of rest. Rest in me, says the Lord. Just rest. God is going to give you a front row seat to your own life. And you're going to see what God will do. You're going to see what God will do. Imagine that, a front row seat to your own life. And you're going to see. And that person you're praying for, you're wishing for, whatever it is, God says, yeah, it is at your doorsteps. Just continue to believe Him. Can we just worship God?
Can we just worship God? Hallelujah. We bless your name, O oh God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just touch someone close to you and pray for them right now. Just touch someone close to you and pray for them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. Hallelujah. Friends, just soft a little. I'm going to hand over to Pastor. Pastor, I want you to, if you can talk to your flock about helping us with our trip so we can meet our budget. I love you so much. I'd seen you before. But it happened in God's time that we met. I love you, the both of you. You're God's man. And I know what you got inside you. I know exactly what you got inside you. And I know exactly what you want. And God told me to tell you. Not only are you going to get what you want. You're going to get a double portion of what you want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll say this to you before this congregation. I'm your brother. And you can consider me to be a covenant partner with you. You can consider me a covenant partner. And like I said, I've never asked a man to come to his church. But I believe there is something here. Together, you just call. I'll alter things to be here with you and to hold up your hands because you're God's man. You're God's man. You're God's man. Come on, church, give your pastor a good hand. And it's their wife. Hallelujah. And he's, he's going to ask you to help us. We have a huge budget. I've got to leave for the Cameroon tomorrow. So please, do your best, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. To connect with us, visit us at Bethelhampton.com and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and be the light.